all the fathers. Fathers, stand up. If you're a father in the house today, stand up. There you go. Let's give our fathers a big hand. Let them know we love them this morning. Amen. God bless you guys. We have a special gift for you in the back, uh, and we want you to take it afterwards uh, as our gift to you. And if you're going to see your father today, uh, uh, you know, after the, or, you know, this evening or whatnot, you feel free to take a gift to them as well and say, but you have to, you can't say, I brought you something. You just say, my church wanted to bless you. All right, come on, give credit where credit is due. Don't take one and say, look what I did for you, Dad. And look what our church did for you. And that way, that might be an open door. So so we love you guys. Today, I want to talk about the Father's heart. And we love you. We, I, I love fathers. I, I am one. And uh, I was having this discussion with someone. Oh, I think I was in Colorado uh, with somebody, and they were saying, you know, you've done a great job with your kids and all that stuff. And I, I said, well, Beverly and I really honestly, this is not humble pie trying to talk. We don't really look at what we've done as dynamic parenting. In fact, our, our son-in-laws are way ahead of where we ever were uh, when we were had kids their age. And so we just thank God for his mercy and grace. And, and I have great compassion on fathers because I am one. Uh, and uh, uh, I know the, 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 the burden is great many times as fathers. So today uh, uh, we're going to share some things for all of us. Uh, that will bless the fathers and help the fathers, but also will minister to all of us from the understanding of God's heart towards us. For he is our father. Amen. So, so you're in a good place today. So let's pray together as we begin this father's heart. Father, I thank you that you are here in our midst. And as we've already said, we being evil know how to give you, quoting you, uh, your son, we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our heavenly father give good things, things that are advantageous, advantageous to us, because you love us and we love you. And thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let me just explain to you, as I have before, probably the biggest social and cultural issue facing our nation is not politics. I have to tell you that. Man, I tell you, the, poli- the political scenario today, it's just, oh, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just God, help us, Jesus. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, and, but that's not the greatest issue that our um, America and our culture and even the world is facing today. We've got something that looms over us that's worse than the drug crisis, that's worse than everything else that I could think of, uh, alcoholism, teen pregnancy. In fact, most everything you could name, I have come to believe, is somehow, some way interrelated to the, the biggest social trauma on our culture today, and that is the fact that we've got a daddy crisis in the world. We have, we have, uh, father issues. We have absentee fathers. You just, hey, if you wanna, if you wanna really get depressed, get online and start Googling things like, you know, the, you know, the, the, 
I don't know what you, how you go, the crisis of fathers in America, you're going to come up with something. Uh, you, when you Google uh, issues with teen girls and even teen boys, but mo- more likely with girls, most of it comes from daddy issues. In fact, uh, all of us on some level, and I am a daddy, and I got one, uh, I got two, one of my daughters is out helping kids, and so she can't, uh, hey, listen, they got, they undoubtedly have to have some kind of daddy issue, okay? Laura got bugged at me yesterday because I took a pickle, a, pick, a pickle, I took a picture of her eating a pickle up close, uh, and she called me a dirty name. I won't tell you what it was, but... Uh, and of course, I, I didn't post it on Facebook, but I gave my family plenty of opportunity to do so. Uh, and so I'm sure they've got daddy issues. We all have. How many of you, how many of you daddies here on some level have daddy issues? Come on. I, I'm a grown man and I've got daddy issues and I, I'll just tell you one. Um, uh, what? My father was not a, he, he was, I, I loved him. He loved me, but there was not the kind of relationship that I have with my kids as far as love and affection, so on and so forth. Uh, in fact, it was kind of a, it was kind of a blank slate when it come to real affection. He showed me, uh, he loved me by teaching me things, taking me places, but it was a different kind of deal. And so when I, uh, when I began to grow up and become a father, I said, that ain't not, I'm not going to have, I realized what I was missing. And, and, and because of that, I think I have some blank spots, some, some just, you know, when it comes, you ever, you know, in maybe computer programming or more, there's just a blank spot. There's some things in my uh, upbringing that, that are blank spots that the, the Father God has slowly begun to uh, reveal to me and help me with. And in fact, years ago, I had a, I was actually speaking at a conference and God got a hold to me in the altar call and just uh, kind of run me up through the ringer about some of the issues I had. And he said, okay, just get over it because I'll help you. I'm your heavenly father. You got to get me on there. Oh, okay. I didn't realize I had so many daddy issues. Uh, and so that's the one of the biggest deals that I think our culture faces uh, is the issues with with uh, absentee fathers or the lack of fatherhood or a wrong kind of example, role model, and so forth. In fact, Though this probably does, this scripture doesn't address this. Uh, you can turn to Jeremiah 31 if you want to get a head start. First um, uh, Corinthians 4:15. You don't need to turn there. You could write this down if you want. He says this, uh, you do not have many fathers. He says, you've got thousands of teachers. It's just teachers everywhere. People who teach and instruct you. Let me just stop and say, let me, everything ignites me. Uh, when, fathers, let me tell you, as we'll learn today, uh, I used to think one of my biggest deals instructing people. I've got to instruct my kids. I've got to teach them kids how to be good kids. And i got to do that. And that's a part of it. But that is not necessarily the totality at all of fatherhood. Fatherhood holds so much more uh, than just uh, that thought of, uh, of instructing. He said, you got thousands of teachers, but there are not many fathers. Everybody say there are not many fathers. And so when you put a, when you put a parcel of fathers, and let me just say, the capacity to procreate does not make us a father. Fatherhood is much more than the capacity to procreate and have biological children. How many of you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Somebody say, I know that's right. 
And so that's what we want to talk about. Let me build a little foundation with you this morning and just kind of some things I learned uh, just this past week studying this. Number one, the fatherhood of God in the Old Testament. It's not as prevalent as in the New Testament, but it's certainly there. One of the first places that the fatherhood of God is mentioned and O-M-G. I love this. It's in Exodus chapter 4 when God finally gets Moses' attention and is telling him to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Everybody say, let my people go. Here's what God actually says to Moses to tell Pharaoh. Basically this, you can look it up later, but he says this, go tell, uh, God, uh, God tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh that Israel or the people of Israel are my children, is my son. Israel is my son and let my son go. So interesting thought. The fatherhood of God comes out all over Pharaoh. Now, how many of you daddies know you can mess with me? You can mess with my stuff. You can cuss me, spit on, and we might have an issue. But you go messing with my kids, that's a whole different level. Are you with me? And so the fatherhood of God comes out on God over Pharaoh. He said, Moses, you better tell him something. You better tell him this. You're messing with my kids. And I've come to tell you, it's time to let them go. Oh, you father, come on now. That's the fatherhood of God. And I, I just, I never saw that. And I went, wow, that's so cool. Now you can turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31 has to do with the children of Israel being restored to their rightful place. The, the remnant of Israel, I believe after Babylonian captivity, and it's almost like the gospel of Jeremiah. I mean, it's just wonderful. Uh, and so uh, it's about the restoration of the people of God. But the fatherhood of God is revealed here. I want to show you verses. We're going to come back to this whole chapter in some ways. Look in verse 9. And they shall come with weeping and with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel. So here he's reading affirming what he told uh, Moses to tell Pharaoh, I'm a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. It's the fatherhood of God. I have to be honest with you, I I didn't really look deep enough uh, until this past week. In in fact, I'm just scratching the surface about the fatherhood of God in the Old Testament. I kind of had this picture in the Old Testament, he's God Almighty, and he is, uh, but he's also, he said, I'm a father to Israel. And if you look on, even in verse 20, you'll see this again. He brings this Ephraim up thing again. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. So the fatherhood of God is laced throughout Scripture, <laughs> even in the Old Testament. And when you get to the New Testament, it's like an explosion. 
of the fatherhood of God. In fact, Jesus' first recorded message, I would encourage you to do this. Fathers, I would encourage you to, to think through this if you want a little study time. Uh, not just through the Sermon on the Mount, but take a gospel and start beginning to mark down or highlight all the references to God as our Father. And when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' first recorded message, right? It, it's, it's sprinkled, if you will, salt and peppered throughout with an introduction to God as our Father, our Heavenly Father. And in fact, on into Matthew 7 that I quoted earlier, our Heavenly Father. And it's amazing to me that God knew and knows and, and knew back then and knows then and knows today that one of the biggest issues that the world has is, is these, these, uh, the, the lack of real fatherly influence in their life. Listen, the devil, the, hey, he, he, he'll make you, he won't steal your stuff, but if he can mess you up with your kids, man, that's that's his biggest deal. Fathers, if he if he can undermine you and undermine your capacity to be a good, healthy father who is a role model to his kids, he's got you because he's really not just after you; he's after your kids and your kids' kids, for goodness' sake. And he's going for the fathers. All you mothers, you know you got issues too, but hey, he's really after the fathers. If he gets the father, he knows he's got you too. So we got a big target on our back, if you will. So fathers, we got to step it up. Everybody say, step it up. If you got a father around you, give him a high five. It's time to step it up. Boom. It's time to jump. Brent, it's boom. Time to step it up. Amen. And so you look through the New Testament and, you know, you go through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. How do you pray when you pray? Pray this way. Our Father, so you got that. Uh, and, and gosh, I, you can go. I want to give you one. You can look through the New Testament. In fact, Paul just really picks up on this thought. Uh, and when he starts introducing himself in these letters to the, to the different churches, he's hammering, if you will, the fatherhood of God. And he wants the people uh, and he wants these churches to embrace the fact that God is not just God. He's God the Father. Everybody say amen. One of my favorite is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you'll Pardon me if you'll turn there and we may just reference some others. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in Acacia, grace to you and peace from God, who? Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he just didn't say God. He embraced the fatherhood of God. And then he goes on. Now catch this. I love this. This is phenomenal when people are uh, struggling and with loss. Blessed be the God and what? Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are, who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. So he's God the Father and he, he's a God of comfort. Amen. I love that. Our culture today doesn't have that mindset a lot of times when it comes to fathers, unless we saw father knows best. But that didn't much tell the true story of our day. It certainly wasn't at our house. Uh, I, I didn't get a lot of comfort from my father. Uh, in fact, you know, how he taught you how to swim. 
throw you out in the deep end. Gee, thanks, Dad. All right. So uh, I'm not scarred by that. It's just the facts. At least I don't think I am. Uh, but Paul, he's, he gives this wonderful per, uh, perspective of God the Father. And if you just, if you moved on to Galatians and Ephesians, Galatians, he says this, verse 3, grace to you. Uh, well, gosh, let me back up. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren are with me. Grace to you in peace from God the the Father. See, he just didn't say God. God the who? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it just goes on and on. Uh, even Ephesians, it's the same thing. And we could just keep going. You see, the, the, the New Testament, an explosion of the fatherhood of God. It, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It just keeps going. Everybody say, Hallelujah. In fact, as we'll learn, and as we should have already known, uh, because of the mercy and grace of God, we have been adopted into the family of God. And we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, so the fatherhood of God is all throughout Scripture. So it's evident to me that God today and throughout the, the ages has and wants to express himself to each of us as our heavenly Father God. God, you could, hey, you ever heard kids bragging about their dads? And, you know, uh, you know, my daddy does this. Well, my daddy does that. Well, my daddy is God. This is not a political statement. Trump that, why don't you? My daddy's God. You can't get much higher than God. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And so the, for the fathers here today, we got to learn some things about the fatherhood of God that will help us be what God wants us to be here in the earth. And here's what I've learned even about, uh, you know, my kids are all grown, of course. I've got grandkids. Uh, I still have a fatherly role uh, with my um my girls, my son, uh, and I'm no less their father today than I was back when I, we were in the middle of trying to figure out how to raise them. Uh, but we can learn from God and from Jeremiah 31, and this is certainly not an all-inclusive uh, thought here today from Jeremiah 31, but I just saw some things out of Jeremiah 31 that reveal the Father's heart to us. And guys uh, that are fathers here today, you can take these thoughts and certainly apply them in your raw responsibility as a father, uh, even as grandfathers, and for all of us today, uh, we can apply them to the fatherhood of God in our life and how he wants to uh, impart these thoughts to us. So in Jeremiah 31, uh, just quickly, let me just say this. I'm not going to necessarily uh, make you read these verses, but he reveals himself uh, through the prophet, through these prophecies with Jeremiah. God reveals himself, and 
a few different ways. Number one, in verse one, he reveals himself as God. I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Now, even that verse right there leans into the fatherhood of God, right? He's not saying, I'll be a God, and they will all bow down to me, and, and I will require of them, you know, their blood. and all. No, uh, he, he, he even as God reveals that his, represent, his representation to them as God separated us. And so he's getting us back. It's it's a family reunion he's talking about, getting the kids back and right standing with God the Father. So with that in mind, I want to share with you some thoughts, guys, gals, and people listening, about the Father's heart for his children from Jeremiah 31. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. One thing I don't have today is my icy. I don't know how it got down there, but Beverly, if you can bring my icy and my phone, which has my clock on it, I, I swore I was going to drink my icy while I preached, and I'm going to fulfill that responsibility and roll. I hope this doesn't become a habit. Oh, I don't have much time. Here we go. The Father's heart for his children, Jeremiah 31. The first thought I see is it's a heart of inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. Let me just show it to you, and we'll move along pretty quick. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Notice how inspiring this is. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with tambourines, and you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet plant vines of the mountains in the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them, eat them as ordinary food, for they shall be a day when the Watchmen will cry on, the, on Mount Ephraim, Arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Now, let me just stop. These people had been under under bondage and in, in under Babylonian captivity, and, and the Father's heart comes to them and says, Let me just give you some good news here. Let me get let me let me raise you up out of the doldrums of depression, if you will. Let me just share something. I, I hope this inspires you today. Uh, in fact, New Testament says all scripture is given by inspiration from God. It's the word of the Lord that comes from God inspires men and they speak the word of the Lord. That's what happened with Jeremiah. And for these people who began to realize, hey, God the Father is showing back up and His His love and compassion is there. And, and He said, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. He, he inspired them to begin to trust God. Fathers, let me just throw this out at you. One of your biggest roles is to be a cheerleader to your children and say, you can do it. You can make it. This, hey, this thing is not going to knock you out of the park. This is not, it's not over. Listen, it's only just begun. God is in charge and He's going to do what He's going to do and it's going to be great. God God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Come on now. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, give you a future and a hope. You're the greatest kids on planet Earth. Come on, let's go. Hallelujah. That's what daddies do. I was at the ballpark yesterday, and sadly, some daddies don't know how to do that very well. Some do, some don't. Some kind of... 
But we ought to be inspirational to our kids. Our kids ought to feel better after they've been in daddy's presence. They ought to, they ought to have a, a, their head a little high. That's what God does. Man, when I get in the Father's presence, something about his presence just lifts me. It inspires me. He motivates me. When I read his word, I get inspired. When I, when I embrace his love, when I worship him, when I talk to him, when he talks to me, there's an inspiration that comes. I'm, amen. Gosh, verse 16, refrain your voice from weeping, your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord. Man, that inspires me. How about you? Number two, the Father's heart is one not only of inspiration, but restoration. Now listen carefully. This is really what this is all about, where God's restoring Israel back, uh, to their rightful place, this remnant coming back. It's a, it's a message of restoration. In fact, if you went back to Jeremiah 30, uh, I'll slip back there. Look what he says in verse uh, 17. He says, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they shall because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion. No one seeks her. And he says, I'm going to restore to you. And when you read through these chapters, I would encourage you to do that. You're going to see this theme of restoration just everywhere. It's all over the place. And one of the big themes is a restoration of joy. Somebody say joy. And in fact, look, let me just show you verse 13. He says this, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satisfy or satiate the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. It's a, it's a restoration of joy. Let me stop and bring this back to fathers. Listen, fathers, kids, and, and, uh, listen, and that kind of relationship ought to bring joy. Amen. You know, my kids, one thing, they may not have got a lot out of me, but they we had fun. We didn't have much, but we had fun. We enjoyed life as best we could. I'll never forget one time we were somewhere, I don't know, up in Oklahoma, and there's a little cliff and a mountain, not a mountain, but a pretty good. I slammed on the brakes and slid over. And I go, what, what? I said, we're climbing that mountain. Beverly went, ah, the kids went, yay. The father's heart ought to be one that brings joy to the house. Amen. Fatherhood should bring joy in the family. That's a new thought for some. Another thought that I see about the father's heart here to his children is one of compassion. It's just all through the place, but verse, uh, thir chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Verse 8, the latter part, it says that, uh, it says this, well, let me read the whole one. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there. What's, what do we see? We see the compassion of God for people in need. He's bringing them, children and young together, the hurting, the lame, the, the blind. Uh, he has compassion on them. It doesn't matter how we're limping in. He's happy. We're here, and he'll heal us and help us and restore us. He has compassion on us. 
Verse 20, is Ephraim my dear son? Catch the father's heart. Is he a pleasant child? I read it already. For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. The fatherhood of God has compassionate care and concern for the kids. Amen. And that's what, and you fast forward into the New Testament, this spirit of adoption is all about. You see, adopted children were chosen regardless of their issues. And many times in spite of their issues. And the Bible says we've been adopted into the family of God. We've received not the spirit, we've received the spirit of adoption. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. Whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. Amen? That's the most compassionate thing that God could have ever done for us. Even though we were, we were, we were separated and, 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 and undone and out from under the governance and guidance of God because of sin, He adopted us into the family. The Father's heart's one of inspiration, one of restoration, one of compassion. And hey, and this is very important too, one of protection. Verse 10. As we, even as we, if we went back to fatherhood of God, uh, shared with Pharaoh, look at this verse when it comes to the shepherd's heart concerning protection. Uh, uh, it says in verse 10, I've read it already, I'll read it again. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the isles after all, uh, afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Everyone say, keep him. That word keep means to guard and protect. And that's the nature of God, the fatherhood of God. Hey, he's going to protect us. He's going to take care of us. Somebody say amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for why he's with me. His rod and his staff and the, the shepherd's heart is there to take care of every demon, devil, and hell and problem and trouble that comes your way. Why? Because he is your father. His heart is one of inspiration, one of restoration and compassion and protection. A lot of times we think about the judgment of God, and it is real. But the fatherhood of God will eclipse the judgment of God any day of the week if we turn to him and say, Father. His heart is one of protection. But, hey, number five, it's a, his heart is one of provision. He wants to take care of us. That's what it meant, you know, Matthew 6, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says, pray this way, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. He wants to protect, uh, protect us, but he wants to provide for us as well. Look in verse 12 and verse 14 of chapter 31. He says this, I love verse 12. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. I love this phrase, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Now, those phrases right there are not just talking about, uh, you know, uh, Mrs. Baird's bread now, or, or just a fish and a loaf. This is a provision that is body, soul, and spirit. He wants to provide for us on every angle of our life. God doesn't want to leave you without what you need. We being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids. How 
much more will our Heavenly Father give good things, those things that are advantageous to us, uh, to those who love Him and call upon Him and ask Him. Are you with me? Say amen. He's a God of provision. That's His heart towards us. He's not stingy. Tell somebody, God's not stingy, God. Sure was good, Andy. I'm about to where it makes noise. It does make noise at the end. I may refrain, I may not. That's the nature of God, His heart. Number six, He has a heart of correction. No, no, you're talking now. That's what I know all about. That Father correction, I'm going to wear you out, boy. We know, understand that one, Pastor. You don't have to go there. I got that one down pretty good. My dad used to take off his belt. He go. He's kind of a big fella. Took him a while, and then he would get it, and then he'd pop it. The fear of God came all over me. But God is a God of correction. But when you look to Scripture, you'll find that he corrects us out of love. Are you with me? In fact, verse 9, look at this. I love this one about the Father's heart. Verse 9, they shall come with weeping, with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them. Now, watch this. He's, he's, he's correcting their path. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. He's correcting their path. Listen, that's, uh, hey, one of our big uh, roles as fathers is to get our children on the right path. I've actually ha- heard fathers say, well, you know, uh, it's really up to them. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm going, are you kidding me? I'm about to be your father right now and put some correction on your thinking. Because we have a responsibility as parents to direct their path in the way that God would have them to go. Are you with me? Say amen. And it's a correction. Sometimes the correction of God needs to come. And he loves us and he wants to correct us and put us in the place that of his design and that which would be advantageous to us. Everyone say advantageous. That's what God wants to do for you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 says this, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so it's it's a correction Uh, of their path because we love them and we care for them. You read Hebrews 12. He corrects. He disciplines those children. In fact, fact, Hebrews says this, if you're not under the discipline and correction of God, you're probably not a child of God because he's always going to be about the business of correcting and disciplining his children. And let me just throw this out for all of us. You know, we, there is, how many of you know there are consequences for wrong choices? Uh, and, and we could call it punishment. But let me tell you something. God is, is not in the business of punishing us. He's in the business of correcting us. It comes in the form of punishment. You're going to be a consequence for your wrong actions. But it's because he loves us and wants to correct us. Are you with me? Say amen. How many of you heard this in the early days? Bend over, son. This is going to hurt me worse than it hurt you. It's going to hurt you. I'm going, nay, no way. 
because I've been down this road before. <laughs> I've probably told you this story before. I'm about done. I got four minutes. I can't remember what state. She was so small. State was so small. I was trying to correct her, and I won't explain, but uh, I had to put her on. If you don't do this today, I'm going to give you a swat. If you don't do this the next day, I'm going to give you two swats. And so I was putting the pressure on. And uh, about the fourth day, I had given her swats, and they certainly weren't very hard. And so I was putting her to bed and uh, telling her I loved her and going to bed and with her little bit little girl voice this kind of scared she said daddy i said what she said you forgot to give me my swatch i went i sure did <laughs> bend over oh boy i wore her out you know i did the father's heart is one of correction man when you're under the correction of god you know what you ought to do? Whoo, he loves me. He's not punishing me. He's loving me. He, he corrects those whom he loves. And then number seven, instruction. And let me just say, that's where a lot of the fatherhood, if there is in today's world, it, it leans into correction and instruction. But you don't get much provision, protection, compassion, restoration, and inspiration. Father, in fact, uh, how many of you have heard this in old timey days? Uh, the, the dad's job is to provide for them kids. They just got to provide like he's the provider. That's all he does is provide. Uh, uh, I just, I pay the bills and I come home and flop down in this easy chair and mama cooks the cornbread and beans and I and she I'm the provider how many of you have heard that and he is a provider but that hey I'll take I'll take somebody who can't provide very well if they'll hug me are you with me say man you know what I'm talking about. Tell somebody, you know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, there's so much more. Uh, but you do see instruction here in verse 21 and other places. Here's the instruction of God. Um he says, and, and there's a lot here. There's some instructive words through here. Hear the word of the Lord. Refrain your voice from weeping. Some instructive things. But he says this, set up signposts. Make landmarks. Set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin of Israel. Turn back to those, uh, to these your cities. How long will you gad about, O oh, you backsliding daughter? He's bringing direction, correction and direction and instruction into our, into these, uh, children of Israel's life. Man, I'll take God's instruction any day of the week. In fact, man, I'm desperate for the instruction of God in my life. Uh, and, and in fact, what does the Bible say? His word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man, and I'll throw in woman of God, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God, the fatherhood of God, it's one of inspiration, restoration, compassion, protection, provision, correction, and instruction. And so for our fathers today, we could embrace some of these thoughts. You may be good in some and mediocre in the others. You may need counseling in all seven areas, and this is not an all-inclusive list, but you may have this down pretty good. But let me just say, this is the heartbeat of God for his kids. And oh, there's so much more, but you can take these seven. This is just some thoughts from Jeremiah 31. Now let me throw this last couple of verses at you because we're, we're not simply talking to fathers in the room. 
we may be talking to people who feel a little fatherless in the room. You're, you may be fatherless biologically or you may be, feel fatherless spiritually. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6 says this. He's a father to the fatherless. A, defenders of, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in what? Families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. And so today, the fatherhood, the heart of God wants to be made manifest. All we've got to do is say, Father, get up in the morning. And before you go to bed, our Father, my Father, I cry out, Abba, Father. My children know, even though they're grown, that if they call their father, he will answer them. If they need me, I'm there. I'm also glad that my daughter's married good guys who have more money than I. I don't have to funnel money to them kids. I, I'm, a, I'm grateful for that. But they know that if they need their father, I'm there. Amen. And I'll close with this same verse that I we've that has laced the service, Matthew seven eleven. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more everybody say it again, how much more? How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's a little taste of the fatherhood of God. Let's stand together. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to ask the fathers to come to the altar. We're going to pray for you. Come on, fathers. Some of you may not be biological fathers, but you've been fathers to children. Yet you're a father. Fatherhood has nothing to do with the capacity to procreate. Come on, step in here. Let's lift our hand. Fathers, let me ask you to do something. I know this This is, uh, I kind of got you right where I want you, but let's lift our hands to God and cry out to him as our heavenly father. Father, as I, these fathers have gathered here today, Lord, in this altar, we lift our hands together and we ask you to help us. Even though some of us feel like our fatherly duties are over, Lord, that is not true. For there are children and grandkids and people around us that need the influence of a father in their life. And let us, God, not miss our moment with people who need the voice of a father, the compassion of a father, the inspiration of a father, and all the things you are to us. 
we lift our hands and we ask your heart to be our heart. That you'd give us a new heart. If our heart and our fatherhood heart has been wounded by daddy issues somewhere, help us, Lord. Clean us up, fix us, restore to us your heart so we can be what you want us to be and what our children and our grandchildren need us so desperately to be, even what people around us need us to be as a voice of wisdom and compassion and care for a fatherless generation. Thank you, Lord. Now, guys, just lay your hands on one of your brother's shoulders and speak to them. Just bless them. Lord, bless these fathers. We bless one another in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, we stand together as a, as a band of brothers today, a band of fathers to do your kingdom bidding in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's give these fathers a big God bless you. And guys, don't go back. My lovely wife wants to take your picture. Gather around right here and look that way. Uh, is that right?